Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. All month long, Artistic August, we are talking to people who live and breathe the arts in some way. And my guest today did not necessarily start out deciding to, uh, you know, get into the arts. And what I mean specifically is the art of writing. So Kevin Album, and by the way, if you are, you know, you recognize his name or video, if you're watching the video version, yes, I did interview him also for our June Pack Your Bags series, where he gave us some great ideas of where to go that are a little unique and off the beaten path. And you're gonna understand a little bit about his passion for that in a minute. But he was a police officer in the UK for 25 years. And during that time, he served on a tactical firearms team and worked as a hostage negotiator. So he was in some pretty tough spots most of the time. After that, he's like, well, it's time to let that go. What do I want to do next? Hmm, I think I'm going to become an international mountain leader. And he retrained himself as thus and has worked around the world since then, guiding on trekking trips and leading expeditions, uh, specifically in conservation, which is going to have a tie here. In 2011, he won the Bronze in the World Guide Awards. But obviously, like many people who travel, Uh, the pandemic kind of caused a little bit of a challenge with that. So instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to complain because I don't have anything to do or any place to go, I'm going to write a book. And so today we're going to talk about his book, Stone Child, which I just finished and uh, hear not only a little bit about his inspiration, but it'll tease you all for the story to make you want to go pick this up, which I highly recommend. So Kevin, thank you for joining me again. It's such a pleasure to see you. Well, Michael, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to see you as well. Well, and it was so fun when we interviewed for the Pack Your Bag series and we started, you know, we had a little opportunity to talk about your book, but not all that much. And so after that, I was really intrigued. And so I I downloaded it on my Kindle, started it right away. And I'm kind of funny with books. I actually always have five or six books that I'm reading all at once. And so it was, uh, it was fun to, you know, have, have something that was a really different storyline. And then um, last night I finished it and I could not go to sleep, not just because I knew I wanted to have it finished before we um, spoke today, but because as the book progresses, you get even more and more invested in Molly and Charlie and, you know, the sense of how is this going to turn out? So let me just ask you first, you know, how would you describe your book if somebody says, oh, that's nice, you wrote a novel. How would you describe it to them? I mean, I mean the first thing, thank you so much for being so enthusiastic, because as a writer, as an author, that's exactly what you want. You want to stimulate those emotions. You know, if someone can't sleep, someone can't put it down, that's exactly yes. what you're looking for. So thank you. Um, it's a real mixed bag, I would say, because it is uh, what we call a bit of eco-fiction. That means mm-hmm. it's something to do with fiction, but to do with perhaps saving the world, the preservation of the world, those sorts of things, because there's a lot going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's certainly something to do with um, our social society, teenagers, the, the things that teenagers go through. 
Some of it is to do with government and that government really should represent the people and, and you know, put their money where their mouth is at times and those sorts of things. And it questions um, the more recent uh, pulling down of statues, um, those sorts of things. And you know, there's, there's, a, there's a big uh, topic there about uh, slavery, certainly racism. There's a whole yes. range. And, and I'd like to say that the book touches on, on a whole range of those subjects. So at the same time, I'm very pleased to say that it's a ripping yarn, as it's been described. It's got a bit of humour in it. And, yeah. um, and certainly it's got a pace. You know, it's uh, poor young Molly is run ragged around London, being chased by statues and uh, all manner of things. And, uh, you know, gets, all, gets involved in, in things that, uh, well, for a 15 year old, she, she's doing pretty good. She really is. And yeah, so as people are listening, they're like, why is she being chased by statues? But, and I'm not going to give away too much about this, obviously, because we want people to read it. But just the beginning where Winston Churchill's statue comes to life in the British Parliament, you know, there's this sense of, wait, what? Because how many of us have stood in front of a statue and thought, I wonder what this statue has seen? I wonder what, you know, you know, some of them are so lifelike that you're like, I wonder if they're really watching me. What made you decide to use statues as the focal point and, and have them come to life? And initially with, with a, a word of warning that we are about to uh, basically destroy our world and, and, our, and our ecosystem with Global warming is, is kind of the underlying current, but you're right, there's a lot more. So what 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 possessed you to come up with that as your as your core behind everything? Well, you're right, absolutely right, Michael. The we've all looked at statues. Some of us have probably even uh, maybe prayed to a statue or talked to a statue, you know, touched a statue. We all do it. We we all imagine maybe, oh, if a statue could live, what would he say? And mm -hmm. the, the simple experience was that I was working in London one day. I used to do a, a sort of facil facilitation on corporate training, and like a glorified treasure hunt. And my clients were taking a very long time on a very hot day in the middle of London. And <laughs> And I just pictured the statue, it's the Royal Tank Memorial statue in London. I just pictured the statue coming to life and saying, look, just get on with it. It's not that difficult. <laughs> I kind of, kind of willed the statue to do it. And, and, a, and a thought struck me and I thought, why would they come to life? What would make them? You know, how, who could they be? Well, they could be their former selves, now dead, of course, now deceased, but with a connection to the real world by some sort of method of religion or science, whatever it might be. Why would they come to life? Well, because we're in dire straits. Hey, we are in dire straits. We are in a crisis much more serious than the pandemic we're living through. Climate change is very real and very serious. So they could come to life with that saying, listen, you've got to do as we say, or you've got to take note and you've got to take action and rapidly. And that was the motivation for it. That suddenly was, well, yes, actually, that's very powerful. And, and to start the book with a scene of Winston Churchill, um, the, the members who touch his foot and he moves his foot because he's annoyed by years of them touching his foot for good luck and then talks to him about what, what, would, what would the scene be? Well, as an ex-tactical firearms officer, it would be chaos. It would yeah. be absolute chaos. And, and that's how I describe it in the book. And that's what is, you know, especially as the book evolves 
and more statues come to life. And, you know, sometimes people are gravitating towards them because they want to learn from them and know from them. Other times they're afraid of them. And some, you know, some were really prominent figures that were great. And some were ones that weren't all that great, um, you know, or, or remembrances, or maybe we thought they were great, but, you know, history tells it's, history tells a different story based on who's telling the story. Definitely. And, um, and I love the, the, um, both the sense of, yeah, first panic and there's panic, which ensues, but then also the sense of people wanting to hear what they have to say. If something's that important that you're going to come to life as statues, you probably have a message that we should be listening to. So it's interesting, the dynamic, just kind of how you, you give, you give kind of a mind to the crowd but then you give a different mindset to Molly and her brother, Charlie, who kind of follows along. I mean, he's a great brother. Jeez, what a, what a family, you know, mom and dad go off to Peru to, you know, for a month to do, you know, uh, um, you know, save the rainforest and they leave their 15 and 17 year old, but they seem very self-sufficient. They care about each, each other very much, but Molly is the, the good skeptic, especially in the beginning. She's not necessarily um, immediately uh, like, Hey, wait, there's something wrong. She, she's curious about it too, but her skepticism is, I think a really great, um, message to us all that some things may seem great on the outside, but maybe you should look a little deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really warmed to Molly. She, she grew and grew. Any author will tell that you'll know yourself, you know, as, as the character grows on you, you develop things and they tend to take over. They tend to form their own personalities. It may be a, a weird thing to say, but they do. They become very real. And I liked Molly a lot in that she wasn't black or white. She did see the gray in between and she did question those things. And she was prepared to listen to other people and their points of view. You know, she tries to talk to the statue. She wants to find yes. out what, what they are. But she, she actually has, of course, from her previous experience, without giving too much away, mm -hmm. she, she has some prejudice against statues and why we build them and those sorts of things. And that fuels her to doubt them and question their, what, they, their, what appears to be their message. Is it really their message? Yeah. And I wanted, the, I wanted the reader to question, you know, are the statues bad? Do they attack? you know for what reason is it because we don't act is was that that the, was that their original plan I, I left that very open so that the reader can look at it and go oh I don't know about that because yeah. part of reading a book is you form your own opinions you your own viewpoints that's what it's all about absolutely and you know what I thought was really interesting you know too is that as um as, as you dive into that and you're, you're thinking about, you know, what is really prompting them? What is going, you know, to life? Then you start to ask, wait, why the statues? You know, why these statues? Why? And I, I I'd love to know more because you alluded to this in the beginning. You know, we're in a part of the world right now or time of the world right now where we are starting to tear down statues, you know, especially in the U.S., um, that people have said, you know, we need to question why we've built these statues and are they the right representations that we want to have of our culture? In fact, Dolly Parton, it's funny, um, <clears throat> in uh, where, you know, in, in her hometown, they wanted to build a, you know, wanted to create a statue of Dolly Parton. And she's like, why? Why would you spend money building a statue like that's ridiculous spend that money on you know at another service you know feeding uh you know the 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 you know food insecure doing something else and finally you know people are like but you've done so much for the world and our community and she goes 
fine. After I'm dead, if you want to build me a statue, build me a statue, but I really wish you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that when you have somebody who's obviously done that much good saying, really, why would you create a statue for me? It's a great dialogue to have about what are the roles of these statues in our world and in our societies? And should we be questioning their place or not? You know, or, 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 or maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I feel like your book really makes you start to contemplate it. Mm. There, there, there is, um, you're certainly touching on the thing that I was thinking at the time, you know, statues is a big, is a, is a topic very current at the moment, and it's a big topic, and it, and it deserves to be talked about. But in fact, what really deserves to be talked about is the crisis of climate change. And, and we can get distracted on, on, they are worthy subjects, of course they are, anything to do with equality and racism and, and how we look after each other, bearing in mind we're all the same species, no matter what, where we come from, colour, creed, race, anything, we're all the same species and we all need to survive. And we can be distracted by those big topics of talking about statues, should they exist, shouldn't they? But in fact, what we really should be talking about is, crisis, is the crisis of climate change, mm. loss of biodiversity, deforestation, those are the things that are really going to make a difference to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back to dive in more. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we are back with Kevin Elvin. And it was funny to me, you know, just thinking I'm going to have one more last question on the statues because they're so pivotal in there. And I, it made me actually think about, um, you know, the, to your point, what goes on around us that we stop paying attention to because it's just commonplace. Now, you know, thinking, um, climate change, uh, all the changes, at least that we're seeing in the U.S. are, are getting more significant, uh, more tornadoes, more uh, uh, hurricanes near, you know, some of our, our borders. Now we have an, an incredible water crisis again in our um, south, our southwest. And um, so when you think about, you know, where we're spending money or, or why we're doing things like still erecting statues of people or we're, you know, making these other um these other moves as a culture or a community or a world to try and say, Hey, these are, you know, let's, let's celebrate different things. What do you think keeps us as a society from 
what keeps us focused on some of those, you know, shiny objects rather than saying, okay, look, we really, we have some issues and we need to, to fix them together. Because I think there's still a lot of people that don't, maybe it's not that they don't believe that there's a change happening in the climate, but I think there's still a lot of people that don't find it significant and that don't think, well, it's not bothering me where I am today. So how do we, you know, why are we so <clears throat> lacking in the right focus and how do we keep our focus where it needs to be? I mean, you've spent time in places where you can clearly see the impact, but there's a lot of people, for instance, in America who never traveled outside their own state. How do we get people to raise that awareness? I mean, that, that is the $64 million question without a doubt. And, and scientific, the science world is struggling to, to do that. It's trying to to convince the government, but but more importantly, to convince the people, and it's the people who have the power. Of course, we, the people, are so numerous that they're the ones that can change things. If you if you look at the whole problem as a whole, I suppose you know with all the things we've just listed: biodiversity, deforestation, plastics in the ocean, all those sorts of things. It, it's just too much to comprehend, and therefore we tend to shut down and go, well, okay, I, I recycle, I do that, and I try not to eat so much meat. And, uh, I mean, if, you, if, if I was trying to identify the biggest problem that we have at the moment and the one that we really should tackle, and that is our use of fossil fuels, without a doubt, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is that that is pushing the, the uh, temperatures up, it's pushing not just carbon dioxide, a number of greenhouse gases, and that is making the problem. That is the, the sole thing we really must tackle. We can tackle it as individuals, certainly, but we have to it needs to be systemic change, systemic change. We need to change it completely, the way we live our lives and the use of fossil fuels. Now, of course, the fossil fuel industry is vast. You know, we're talking about um, fuels, uh, petrol, gas, coal, all of those. It's a vast mm -hmm. industry and they are very protective and they're going to be. They, they employ millions, if not billions of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a vast amount of money tied up into that. They don't want to give that up. And of course, they employ tactics to encourage us to carry on buying. Those tactics are to do with denial or doomism. You know, it's the end of the world. Why bother doing anything? Because we're not going to get anywhere. They are divisive by splitting people. Uh, they make people question themselves. They they point the blame at individuals. It's your fault. It's not our fault. You know, um, uh, at the gun lobby, guns don't kill people. People kill people. You know, absolute nonsense. And it's the same with fossil fuels. And and we need, in a way, to bring the industry on board, not see it as them and us, because they employ a lot of people. Of course, they do. Need to convince that industry that they need to stop um, and there's been some interesting cases recently on exxon mobile who've been told to cut their 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 um their emissions i think it was a dutch judge who's declared a huge percentage in those so those things are beginning to happen um and of course if you if if you're a government or a pension scheme or even a university that invests in fossil fuels Yes. You stand a risk of that, that investment losing out. So all of that is tied into that we need to work together. We need to bring the fossil fuels on board and we need to show them that they can carry on investing and making money, but do it in renewables. Stop doing it in fossil fuels. Yeah, that's okay. the answer. Well, and we need is... the people to, do, to, to, to move forward and say, come on, let's, that's the way forward. 
Which is really interesting because, you know, I mean, so many businesses had to pivot in the pandemic for other reasons. So, you know, looking at all businesses, there's always a chance you may have to pivot, or maybe there's a real positive gain from pivoting. And I remember, you know, what, a month or so into where the world was locked down, you know, in the pandemic, and the difference we saw, you know, from what the space station could see of Earth, you know, and a difference of, you know, in, in clarity and the lack of all the, you know, the, the pollution in the air in various cities. Um, and it's phenomenal. You can't, you can't deny the fact that, that there was a difference when the world stopped driving uh, a huge percentage. I mean, just driving and flying, you know, for, you know, even a few weeks, what, what the difference was, but it's, but not only do we have, you know, individuals who have to be behind it and companies, but countries have yeah. to support that kind of change. And I think many are trying to do well, but some are just not going to make any changes. And will, will that, you know, counteract any other positive gains the other countries and, and businesses and individuals can make? Yeah, and and then that's a that's a, a very common uh, thought process. You know, they're not doing it, so why should we? But in fact, it's the reverse. We should do it because they won't have any choice. They'll have to follow. You know, that's if, true eventually, if yeah. a country, particularly most countries in this day and age, rely on tourism, you know, if a country is not subscribing to what the rest of the world is doing or the bulk of the rest of the world. The tourists won't go there. They will boycott that particular country, and a country won't have a choice. They will have to carry carry along. So, the the momentum starting without a doubt. Having having seen the effects of climate change over the last, well, I've been in the business of guiding now for nearly twenty years, and I've seen those changes. I've seen the deforestation with my own eyes from from you know, Borneo. I go every year, mm -hmm. um, but but there is a momentum. There are. You know, some scientists now who are beginning to learn not just to talk to scientists or to governments, they're talking to the people. You know, social yeah. media is very good for that. And social and scientists are beginning to learn in their method of talking to, to the people, you know, not in scientific terms that we can't understand. They're actually saying, well, look, you know, this is the way to do it. You know? And we, we need to stop all the scaremongering. We need to stop all the negative thinking. We need to stop all the arguments amongst ourselves. It's a very clear picture fossil fuels, climate change, global warming, they're all yeah. intrinsically linked. We've got to find ways and we need to do it rapidly. Yeah. But we can, just gonna, we can solve it, we can, without a doubt. And I was gonna just share a couple of thoughts that um, you know, my husband and I talk about that, you know, uh, when I talk about you know, countries and businesses trying to make differences, but yet there's still things that um, I don't know how we can change. So I'm going to throw a couple at you and see what your thoughts are. So first of all, like my husband and I feel like we're, for the most part, um, pretty eco-friendly because we don't own a car. But prior to the pandemic, and again soon, we do travel a great deal for a, a living, and most of that is on airplanes. So that is there, there in and of itself is a huge you know, great, we don't have a car, but we've got that. But there's other things that we try to do, but the reality of them sometimes is that, you know, you're being fooled. And let me give you a, for instance, you know, um, I remember when recycling began, I, you know, I remember getting my first blue bin, you know, when I was a child and, and my parents going, what is this recycling thing? You know, wh what is that? But at that point in time too, we still didn't have the proliferation of plastic in every single thing. You know, I think about everything from, you know, a pen to my, for my uh, dry erase board to, I mean, just looking at things on my desk, there's at least a hundred things within my eyesight that are made of plastic. 
So I try to not, you know, I try and have more things that, that, uh, you, you don't just immediately throw away, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to buy things that are packaged that aren't packaged and wrapped in plastic and have more plastic. I also know that in many communities, at least in the U S you may have your recycling picked up, but your recycling is still just thrown in with the rest of the garbage because recycling is no, in many cases is not, um, uh, uh, financially viable. So when recycling first happened, there were people that wanted to buy the glass and wanted to buy the, the cardboard and wanted to buy those, those things that we were recycling and, and, and repurposing or reusing. Um, but now it's not. And I, it's very frustrating to think, well, I don't even know why I put some of my stuff out in our blue bin anymore, because I've, I've seen half the time that the garbage truck picks it up and throws it in rather than recycling truck. And I think they go to the same place. So how as, you know, an individual, can we feel like we're making a positive con- contribution when there's so many things working against us to try yeah. and be good stewards of the earth? Yeah, yeah. Um, much, much of the same uh, as we've just discussed with the fossil fuel industry, the plastic industry was the one that created the recycling. And it was never going to vi- be viable. And uh, there is some deceit there, without a doubt. There is uh, estimated something of nine, between nine and 12% of the plastics ever created have ever been recycled. So that is why we have oceans, you know, the, the great garbage patch and you know there are five oceans polluted to that sort of extent that's yeah. why there's so much landfill um that that is a huge problem um but but you know what do we do we continue i continue i know that it's not going to be recycled i continue to put it in in into the right recycle bin and the reason being is that we can't go from zero to hero in, yeah. in, in the recycling world. We, we can't go from not really being aware of what's going on to do with climate change and plastics and everything else, you know, that, that whole environment thing, to we're doing it perfectly. We have has to be a transition between the two. So if sometimes, you know, you take a flight because it's the holiday and it's the only holiday you've had that year, but before you used to take five flights, you know, I work as a guide. I, I was in and out of countries all the time. Yeah. And, and of course, COVID has stopped me. I haven't flown now for two years and I will question what I do now. So that is an improvement. So that is like an evolution. We are progressing and we are making a difference. Yeah. The problem being, of course, is that some people leap on that and go, oh, you took a flight. Oh, you drive a, car, a diesel car. And, and, and that's grossly unfair because yeah. I don't eat meat any longer because I want to make a difference. I want to do those sorts of things. So all of us as individuals can do our little bit yeah. or a large bit even. But the, the real systemic change is what's needed. That is countries, governments, industry. That's what needs, needs to be changed. That's what's really going to make a difference. Yes, we can recycle what we can. Yes, we can not own a car. That's absolutely fantastic. And we need to make those individual choices. But at the same time, we need to be pressurizing governments and countries and, and, and organizations and certainly big businesses to say, you need to be this way you need to be greener and in in fact you know what what people don't seem to be talking about is that we have a crisis here and in any crisis such as a war for example a huge amount of money is made just simply from innovation 
and yeah. the, the new inventions that come out of it. And here is a golden opportunity for economies to really capitalize on the innovation on being green. How do we make energy, energy? you know, how do we, that's, that's environmentally friendly? How can we do that? You know, I have a son who's nearly 17 and I'm speaking to him now saying, go forth my son, be creative. Go out there. There's a lot of money to be made if you just put your mind to it, because we need this, and and it yes. will sell. So um, yeah, there's a um, a woman we I saw the story on uh, one of our national news channels, and she's a woman in Kenya, and you know Kenya is near and dear to my heart because my whole team is in Kenya, and uh, I'm trying to get an interview with this gal, and she's an she's a an engineer, but also an environmentalist, and she was looking at all the the landfills you know, and piles of, of trash, uh, you know, outside or, you know, in Nairobi. And she said, there's got to be a way to use this. So she collects plastic bags and she's learned how, to, she has figured out, it took her, she said, I think she took, said it took her nine months to make the first brick, but she's figured out how to make bricks with that plastic. And so she's got people out going, picking through the garbage, finding plastic. And they can make bricks that are incredibly strong, that are much more, uh, that allow for better, uh, you know, um, better sealed, you know, homes, you know, you can have walls that are, you know, don't let the heat in, you know, keep the, keep the cool in, keep the heat out. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I know that it's, and it's funny, because as this came to, to bear, all these countries said, hey, we'll send you all our plastic. And she's like, no, <laughs> don't start shipping your plastic to Kenya. <laughs> We've got enough. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, when I watched that story, it just made my heart kind of melt, you know, for there's some ingenuity of saying we've got a problem. Everybody's got a problem. I want to fix the problem, but I also want the problem to be something that builds our community yeah. and builds something better for our world, for our for our local community and maybe for the world. And there are a huge number of projects, as you're describing there, Michael, there's a huge number of projects going ahead. You know, we, we, they're not perhaps widely publicised, but there are a lot of people doing a lot of good. And, and of course, you know, we're, we're the, the, the only intelligent species in the entire universe as we know it. You know, so if we can't solve this problem, it doesn't speak, it doesn't speak well of us. You know, we can, we, we can put, you know, we've just sent, you know, we've gone past the moon, we've gone to Mars. You know, yeah. we, we create, we invent, we, we are a fabulous species and we're living on a, on a fabulous world. We can solve this. It's not, it's not that difficult. And um, we, we just have to have a mind to say, right, let's unite, let's work together. Um, you know, and, and COVID really was was a, was a real um, a sign, I suppose. You know, it was a sign to say we have a crisis on a much smaller scale, in my opinion. But we have a crisis. How do we deal with it? All right, there are some who will argue we didn't do very well. Some countries did better than another. Well, let's learn from that. What can we do now and put that? that knowledge that we've gained and the experience now let's put that towards climate change and how do we deal with that because that is a real problem and we need to work together as a world to solve that problem so um, yeah. it's all there it's just we need the will that's all that's it well and uh, as we're you know kind of winding down i have last couple thoughts one is that um you know we as individuals can also make an impact by how we vote and how we 
who, you know, what initiatives we are backing. And, you know, those are things that I think that when individuals take more personal responsibility, then they're much more aware of how can I impact this in my community level? And then how about on my state level? How about on my country level? And I think those things are important. So, you know, we, we talk a lot, my husband and I about, you know, how do we, even when we take the garbage out, because as a child, we didn't have plastic bags for our garbage. I mean, you had like big ones for leaves, but your kitchen garbage went out in a paper bag you know, that you'd gotten from the store. And, you know, so I try and think of how many, how fewer plastic bags. I don't need that plastic bag to put my tomatoes in at the grocery store. I don't need the plastic bag to carry them home. I can take my backpack because we walk anyway. And I don't need all those extra plastic bags. So we try and reduce that way. But it's really, I think, raised our awareness of what is going on in our community and what ways are we trying to make a difference just even first in our in our like little neighborhood because there's some interesting things going on with community gardening as well as on the city level. And I think once we realize that we you know, yes, we need corporations to do a lot, but we need to not only have personal responsibility, but w- what our vote can do mm-hmm. is important. So we have to educate ourselves and vote appropriately in order to make these things stick. Yeah, absolutely. And and investigate, you know, the greatest thing that we could all do is just be informed, be informed about, uh, there, are, there are some very good sites. Uh, one of them, I think, is called Science Skepticism, where if you hear something on the grapevine, I hear that this does this. And you, you can go to this site and, and ask directly, is that true? And they'll give you an answer. There are a bunch of scientists and they'll give you an answer and say, no, it's not. It's, it's nonsense. Or yes, that is. Or that has a grain of truth or whatever. You know, yeah. I'd urge everyone, take notice, do some reading, be informed. Um, you know, whether whether it's, if I may, whether it's fiction books yes. <laughs> or whether it's fact books, you know, it's about just get in, come away from what, you know, some of the other things that are distracting us and, and focus on what the issues are at the moment. Be informed, have an opinion, vote for where, where the people are going are gonna to serve us well. You know? and, yes. and look also in investments, I think, you know, fossil fuel industry, we can find out where our money goes in our pension scheme or, or the, the schools invest in, in where they're investing that money that we send our children to. And, and we can say, I don't want to support you because you're investing in fossil fuels, those sorts of things. We want fossil fuels to do something different. You know, if you invest in renewables, you have my support. I mean, that, right. that speaks volumes. Yeah, you know, put really your money where it. your mouth is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That. And I think the, my last, my last thought, and this will pull it back to the book um, before I ask you, just make sure everybody has contact information is, um, is I was thinking, you know, the, in the premise of the story, you know, the, this, the statues are all around us and they are watching, you know, and so you're, to your point, you said, you know, look, we are, you know, we, to this point, we know we're the only you know, sentient race, we should, we can fix this. We should fix this. And yet I love how your story, you know, makes these, statues observing and watching over time and over hundreds of years and evaluating it, us and and maybe they wouldn't have made the same decisions when they were a person and when they were alive but they can see the evolution you know how we have made decisions but on the flip side i don't know if you guys have heard about this uh you know and on your side of the pond but in the us now we have all these um you know uh, pilots and things from the military who are coming out saying we know that we have seen kind of UFOs, uh, flying objects that we have no no reason to suspect anything other than 
they have to be some sort of craft from somewhere else. So now we're talking about, you know, are there other, you know, beings coming down to, uh, to check us out? And I think it's the same kind of question is if they are, what are they saying about us? You know, what are they learning about what we're doing, how we live our planet, what we're doing to our planet, you know, because it's whether it's in your story or it's, you know, circulating in our, uh, you know, our new mythology of UFOs. The same question is, if you were looking from the outside and you were trying to make a decision about us as a planet, what kind of decisions would you make based on how our planet is faring? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we, we have a tendency to look for a greater, greater power than, than ourselves, of course, and, and that's only natural. Um, but I, I look at it and go, we, we, we've evolved as a species very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, we, we've leapt from almost from cave to sending people to other planets. I mean, that's in, in a very short period of time. This again is where we stand at the moment. It isn't the end of the world. We aren't going to be wiped out as a species. We are still evolving. And that should give us real enthusiasm to say, okay, well, let's evolve in the right direction. Right. You know, let's, we can, we've looked over the precipice perhaps, you know, if, it's, if that's the right analogy, but you know, let's, let's look elsewhere. Let's, let's direct ourselves because we can, and we do. We don't have a lot of time left before we start to suffer more serious consequences, but we do have time and we do have the capacity and the capability of changing things. Yeah. And uh, that I'm hoping uh, we writing and, and with these sorts of podcasts and I'm hoping that will start to convince more and more people that we say yes let's okay let's go let's go with this yeah this is good I love it and uh, for everybody listening just so you know we're gonna have all of Kevin's uh, contact information plus links to his book on our show notes um, but uh, also I encourage you to follow that and check him out on on uh, Amazon for his book I am as soon as we are done with this uh, interview going to write my review so you will see it right there under Michael Sherlock's so uh, I give it a five-star thumbs up uh, for this book. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a great story. And it could be a, a great story for young adults as well as adults because it was very entertaining. My 89-year-old mother who turns 89 today uh, read the book too. And she goes, that was very interesting. I like that. She goes, but I don't think I want to go near statues for a while. So- uh, <laughs> Do you wish I had a birthday, please? <laughs> I will. So to that point, though, um, what's the best way for people to find you, even though we'll have it in the show notes, just in case they want to look you up right now? Yeah, the, the website, uh, kevin-albin.com. Um, that's, that's the easiest way to find me, yeah. Excellent. And before we go, Kevin, what are your last words of wisdom or pearls of advice? Um, well, the... As I've already mentioned, we are a very interesting species. We are one species and uh, we live on the most beautiful planet without a doubt, having been privileged to see an awful lot of it. Um, you know, let's preserve it. Uh, let's let's win it back. Let's let's be part of nature. Uh, let's find out because we know that when we do those things, when we're part of nature, when we're looking after the environment, when we're looking after each other, we feel good about ourselves. You know, we, yeah. we, don't, we don't want all this hostility. We don't want all this pursuit of things, these false gods, if you like. You know, let, let's, let's be united and, and let's have a good life. That's what it's all about. 
I love it. Kevin, thank you again for being my guest. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk more about your book and I'm so pleased I had the chance to read it. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.